As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Understand, defend, and share your faith with confidence. This is Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Thank you for joining us on Unapologetic. I'm Ruth Jackson. And before we hear from today's guest, just a quick reminder to visit premierunbelievable.com for more shows, articles, and resources. And you can also register there for the chance to win a free book. And if you enjoy listening to Unapologetic, then please do consider rating and reviewing it on your podcast platform. But now for today's show. I am delighted to be joined by Phil Knox, an evangelism and missiology senior specialist at the Evangelical Alliance. Phil is also the author of two books, Storybearer and most recently, The Best of Friends. I am delighted to be joined by Phil Knox, an evangelism and missiology senior specialist at the Evangelical Alliance. Phil is also the author of two books, Storybearer and most recently, The Best of Friends. Phil, why do you think religion is deemed increasingly irrelevant in today's society? Are there sort of factors that have played into that, do you think? Yeah, I think think when we look at the kind of cultural landscape as a whole, uh, the um, the 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 winds aren't blowing in the favour of, <laughs> of biblical Christianity, are they? I think I think first of all, as I've alluded to, comfort. I don't think we've ever been more entertained or distracted. You know, I've seen I've read some something recently. I've just read a fascinating book on 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 what the internet is doing to our attention spans, and the amount of you know, I think something like the amount of information that we received in kind of 1986 was the equivalent of like 14 newspapers a day. That was the amount of information that was bombarded in 1986. In 2007, 21 years later, that had increased to 174 newspapers a day. And, and, you know, I imagine in the last 16 years, it's probably got a lot worse. So I think there's something of we're just so entertained, distracted, which can lead to an apathy, can lead to a comfort. And so many of my friends, especially those who have lots of money and life's comfortable, why do I need God? and 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 to some extent, when you've got all that at the moment, you know, why why do you? Um, I think it's it's in those moments, isn't it, where there's junction moments. Often they will reach out, and 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 I've had moments where friends who've got everything have reached out in moments of crisis, said, "Will you pray for me?" Why? Because in that moment, suddenly, comfort, wealth, and those things don't provide the answers that only only God can. Um, I think the 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 secular tsunami, the world without religion, this way of life in which all belief systems are contested any claim of divine action is is questions that's certainly uh the the kind of the cultural winds uh, it certainly blowing in that direction you know, 
500 years ago was it was unthinkable that that individuals wouldn't believe in God. Now, in a secular age, people, you know, from a from a non-Christian perspective, believe that it's unthinkable to believe in God. Now, I think some of that's probably changing in terms of kind of the the, the levels of diversity, diversity of worldview in our world. But really, that that wind of secularism in, in this Western part of the world certainly is true. I think there's also something that's happened when we look at other worldviews around expressive individualism. Um, this idea that kind of there is a, a lack of a desire for a communal story. And in favour of that, we just have this, you do you, I'll, I'll be your authentic self. Wisdom is found and identity is found from within you rather than anything external. That is the that is the predominant narrative of our world, I would say. And therefore, there's a kind of rebellion against anything asks you to do anything other than be your authentic self and the reality is that that the christian faith the 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 invitation of jesus is to come and die come and die to yourself galatians 2 i've been crucified to christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me that is a bold invitation and a bold call in the in the face of you do you express your authentic self but i also think and, and this is why evangelism is so important there's loads of people who just haven't heard yeah I, I, when 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 people, when I have conversations about faith, they're like, is that, do you really believe that? Is that really true? Is that really what the Bible says? I think a lot of people think Christian faith looks like the Queen's funeral um, or, or, the, or the coronation is kind of religious. I get asked loads by non-Christians, so you're religious then. Um, and it's very difficult to answer that because you don't want to be put into a box where of kind of, you know, formal state religion because a relationship with Jesus is so much more than that. But I think... All of those kind of factors, apathy, secularism, expressive individualism, and simply people having heard all combine to, to mean, you know, it's it, you fly in the face of stuff. But but at the same time, throughout history, the church has always grown from the margins of society rather than the centre of society. So actually, it's quite exciting time, I think, uh, for faith and, and mission at the time. You've definitely already touched on this, but what do you think are some of the biggest objections to the Christian faith that, that you encounter on a, on a regular basis? Um, I, I think I think that that individual individualistic piece cer- certainly is. I think um, I mean we are bought from the moment that we wake up in the morning when we turn our phones on and when we leave our house, we are bombarded with this. Be yourself, and and at some point that does great with the good news of Jesus that invites us to not to not live live the, live the self that is within, but actually to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. I, I, I think that's I think that's that's a real. That's a real objection. Um, I think in in the conversations that I have with friends, so often it's it's just a, it's a lot of misunderstandings of what of what the Christian faith is, and and uh, and still a few of the kind of age old classics that were certainly there in my parents and grandparents' generation, which was about kind of is Christianity about following rules, and so there's a lot of just misunderstandings that come through, which is why friendship's so important because it's through conversations um, that that those kind of that those kind of the, the truth of the Christian faith. Um, really, really can come through, and um, but also I would also think about the kind of the the impact that God has on our lives on a daily basis. So I think people people misunderstand prayer as a kind of as a kind of ritual and a way to earn God's favor rather than a true intentional relationship with Him. And uh, so I think I think I think that's why relationships so important because it's through deep conversations um, that we help overcome some of the misunderstandings around faith. Do you think you mentioned um, earlier about apathy? Do you think that's something where the kind of the conversation has shifted? Because I suppose in some senses, if someone has a very 
direct objection. You could talk to them and, and maybe work through that objection with them. But in some senses, that apathy, oh, well, you know, it's true for you, but it's not true for me. Is, is that hard, do you think, as an evangelist to deal with apathy rather than a kind of straight objection? It's, it's, harder, it's harder as a friend, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't know about you, Ruth. I, I, I really value depth of conversation with people. And I think one of the challenges, I've got friends who I've known for, for 20 years plus, and I would count them really good friends. I've spent an awful lot of time with them. But conversations that have gone beyond the depth of how sports teams are doing, how your kids are doing, what's going on in life, it's a real frustration. You know, give, give me a hostile objector. <laughs> you know, almost every day Because at least then you get depth of friendship. And I think I think one of the reasons we're, we're, we're really struggling with friendship at the moment is there is so much superficiality rather than rather than depth. And I think one of the reasons that that many people aren't coming to know Jesus in the numbers that we'd like to see is that we live in a world actually which is so full of of the quick and temporary fix rather than that which is eternal and and meaningful. And and you know, I I I haven't seen any data on this, but I'd, I'd be fascinated to see some data on how the depth of conversation has changed over time. I could tell you that the depth of friendship is decreasing over time, but I think there's also something I would I would guess that in previous years we talked about serious matters a bit more than we do at the moment. You know, binging on a on a social media diet of the quick and superficial and and the funny memes. We're going to be talking um, in a later episode about friendship, so we definitely want to hear more about that. But but one of the things I know that you've done in the past and, and still do now is work quite closely with young people. And one of the questions I had, Phil, was, you know, what what do you think are some of the reasons why young people are leaving the church seemingly in their droves at, at this kind of cultural moment today? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I mean, I'm 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 already five years out of out of kind of full time youth ministry, um, and and within my church, kind of you know, have less direct responsibility for young people. But I think I think certainly the, the the research that I've seen, some really interesting kind of cultural changes that are happening, and and I think um, we can't we can't underestimate the um, we need yeah the, the the value of of screens in, in young people's lives. So I've read some really interesting research that young people are physically safer than ever before. So you look at kind of drug use, alcohol use, smoking, teenage pregnancy, um, that, is, that is dramatically decreasing. Um, and, and that's partly because young people are going out less. So when, you know, the, the, the summer holidays have started at the time of recording, went out the other day with, with, my, uh, with my kids and the park's just empty. Whereas I think when I was growing up, there were more, there was a lot more people kind of, kind of out, out on the streets. And so that's the first thing. Which, is, but then, um, but then within that, the kind of the mental health challenges, as you've seen, are, are rocketing. Anxiety, depression, the challenges for for young people um, are, are are a huge thing. So I think I think, and I think that that means that kind of churches, churches just less appealing because it actually involves going out. We talk about kind of the kind of comfort zone stuff. You know, whether whether we like it or not, going into a kind of social space where we don't know everybody, where there's people of different ages, and um, the the comfort blankets of young people actually not only is faith uncomfortable, but going to church is actually quite uncomfortable. You know, and and certainly sitting through church services, how whatever your church service is like, it's less tailored to you than the quick fix Instagram videos that the algorithms have worked out to kind of fire your fire your brain cells as quickly as possible. So I think I think that generally any kind of institution, anything is going to be less appealing. 
because of the highest possible quality of of entertainment that is involved that that is that is access is accessible to them at a few kind of thumb tips notice. So I guess, I guess first thing, I think there is also something about um, the uh, the bombardment of worldviews, uh, and I think that we talked about that kind of information overload. If we think that's true for for us and older generations, my word, that is another level for for younger for younger generations. And and I think also for younger generations that there is something about I've read the kind of the brain science around the malleability of the brain, something called neural plasticity, which as we get older, our brains become more hardwired. Actually, at a younger age, your your brains are much more um, much more plastic in terms of kind of at such a formative of such a formative age. And so, therefore, the information bombardment has much more propensity to be able to influence the way your brain is wired. And so, that means that, um, and again, this isn't this isn't this isn't necessarily positive or negative. It just means your brain is being wired in a different way. So, if you're if you're being bombarded by lots of information very quickly, you become more able to process that information very quickly. But it also means that your brain is less able to do the the deep thinking and the depth and reflection. Um, and if you looked at a classical church service it's more wired to longer longer forms of communication requires greater reflection and depth and 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 you, the 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 medium is the message the the, the media through which new young people are mostly exposed is, is very very quick very and and that that does mean that we do need to make sure that as a church we invade that digital space as you and many others are doing Reese, but with with really high quality content that communicates jesus but it also, I think, there's also a challenge on the other side where we also need to kind of say to teenagers, "There's a, there's a part of faith is 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 leaning into the old and the permanent in a world that bombards them with the very temporary and the very quick." Uh, and all of those factors, I think, are, com- are combining um, at, at, along with all that we've talked about: expressive individualism, secular culture, apathy, comfort. Um, to mean that, to mean that, it's a real challenge to follow Jesus as a young person. Do you think then church perhaps needs to look a little bit more like TikTok? There's a provocative question. Um, I think I think church has always over over through the decades, through the centuries, has always at its best where it's thrived. Has always kind of held held the gospel tightly with one hand, um, and 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 the newspaper. It's Carl Barth who said that you hold the newspaper in one hand and and the Bible in the other. You know, for me, the substance should never change. Uh, the the context should should change should change like the wind, and so should it m- look more like TikTok? I'm not sure. I think certainly, I think certainly as a missiologist, I can tell you that 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 the digital space is incredibly important and will be incredibly important. If you if we in, in 20 years time look back on how people came to faith and, and look forward, digital will be the absolute forefront. So. Should it look more like TikTok? I'm not sure. Should Christians be on TikTok talking about the good news of Jesus? 100%. There's a wonderful story on our Evangelical Alliance YouTube channel of a, of a girl who, disco- who, when she's asked, how did you become a Christian? She said, I stumbled across Christian TikTok. What did she do then? She asked her friend. Friendship really important. A friend invited to Alpha, gave her a Bible. She's now a wholehearted follower of Jesus. So, that, so I think there's something about invading the digital space. But I think there's also something about community and about hospitality and about the kind of the impact that the church makes in the world and inviting people to to make to take the next step. So every person who comes to a church food bank needs to be invited to to to, to be involved in Christian community. 
And then in terms of what we do as a church, and here we are as a church, the kind of services that the groups that we provide do need to respond to culture. I would say part of that is great storytelling. Part of that is looking at poetry and the arts and using the the whole media at our, our disposal to be able to communicate the beautiful good news of Jesus. Um, let's continue to hold hold the Bible in one hand and maybe maybe the uh, the TikTok app under the other thumb. You're listening to Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Phil, do you think we've talked a little bit about some of the objections and the reasons why people are not as interested in the Christian faith? Do you think those objections and questions are different for young people than they are for adults? Or is it kind of the age-old questions, but perhaps articulated in new ways? You'd probably have to ask a young person. I uh, <laughs> I get at the time of recording, I turn 40 on Saturday. Uh, so hurtling <laughs> through middle age. Um, I think, I mean, the truth is, I, I, I don't know. Um, but I think I think the world is changing in terms of the amount of worldviews. And so, for for example, I went to my uh, four-year-old graduation from nursery the other day, Rick, which, again, I wasn't, if I'm really honest, all he's done for a year is learn his <laughs> lessons and played in the sand. I wasn't sure it made, merited the graduation, but it was cute and he wore a little hat. Of the, the kind of, um, of the, uh, the 26 uh, children who were graduating from their nursery, um, I reckon that that again, making a very crude, superficial judgment. I reckon about I reckon six of them were white British, and and what as I looked as I looked across, that was a very different context. I went to the same nursery, the same infant school as as my son, and I would say that I think the world is changing in terms of the the amount of worldviews. And so, for example, even when I went to secondary school, went to quite a multicultural secondary school, but still, most of the conversations were theism versus atheism, probably. Apart from with some of my conversations with my with my friends of of other religious backgrounds, I think for the young people, the the variety of worldviews on 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 display is probably greater than probably greater than ever before. And I think there's something of like that that will really that will really impact the world in which we grew up probably more than ever. But and and as and, and one of those world worldviews that we talked about is secularism, and and that alongside technology, entertainment, distraction is going to make a very different world to be a Christian in, I think, than, than the one I grew up in. Phil, if you had one minute to share the Christian story with someone who had no experience of Christian faith, what would you say? I guess give us your elevator pitch for want of a better word. So it won't surprise you, Ruth, to know that I'll do so in friendship terms because that's my passion. So here we go. Make no mistake, you were created for connection. You were made to be friends with those around you and with God. And from God's perspective, again, make no mis- mistake, you are fiercely, relentlessly, perfectly and beautifully loved. But we also recognise that in friendship terms, we have not always been the best friends to God. And a little bit like when our human relationships break down, it can feel like there is a tangible wedge between us and God because of our own selfishness, because of our own what the Bible calls sin, it separates us from God. But God has not given up on us from that start of creation um, to the end of eternity, God has pursued us and wanted to reconcile us and to bridge the gap between our brokenness and his friendship. And he did that through the person of Jesus. 2000 years ago, lived a man called Jesus Christ, who came down from highest heaven to lowest earth to show us what it was like to be truly human, but also to die on a cross and, and rise again so that we might be reconciled with God. 
at that moment, all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our shame died with him and he rose again so we could know friendship again with God. And his invitation to us is that we might be friends with him. And today, if you're listening to this and you don't yet know Jesus, know that God's hand is outstretched to you in friendship. He invites you to know him and be the person that he created you to be. Thanks for that, Phil. That was brilliant. Take note, everyone. That's hard to do it. Um, <laughs> Phil, we've sort of talked a little bit about, you know, various objections, why people might not believe in God. This might be putting you on the spot slightly, but if I were to ask you, why do you, Phil Knox, personally believe in God? What would you say? I would say, first of all, I, I, I don't know about you, if I, I know I need to be loved. I think at the heart of the Christian faith is that God loves me. I think I was created for a relationship and that that I, I believe at the heart of who I am, I, I need to be loved. And that that is at the heart of why I follow Jesus. But also, I would say on a, on a kind of, I guess, a more rational level, I need purpose and meaning. I can't believe that I'm an accident. I refuse to believe that this world is an accident. I believe I refuse to believe that Phil Knox is an accident. And something at the heart of the Christian faith that gives us purpose and meaning in life. I think there's also something about our need um, for uh, to deal with our past. So I recognise that I've not always got things right, and I, I I feel a degree of of shame and of guilt for the things I've done I've done wrong, and I need to be forgiven. And that's why I need God, because only God can do that. And and I need to be reconciled to him and to those around me. Um, and, and finally, I think I believe in a need for family and connection with others. And I think through the Christian faith, through the church, there's something so powerful that connects me with others in a way that I can't, I can't do fully without knowing God and without having God at the centre of my life. So love, purpose and meaning, forgiveness and family are, are, the, are the reason that I follow Jesus. Phil, you've been a Christian for sort of 35 years. What would you go back and say to your six, seven-year-old self? You know, you've maybe just sort of made that proclamation of faith as, as a young child. What would you go back and tell yourself, knowing everything that you've sort of learned and experienced over the way? What would you go back and tell your younger self? I think I'd tell my six-year-old self. It's a good question, first of all. Um, I, think, I think I'd share that, that life, life is not a fairy tale. I think for me, uh, I think I probably grew up for a lot of my childhoods and younger years just thinking in a very self-centered way, actually, that kind of that the world revolved around me. Um, and I think I'd probably encourage a six-year-old, seven-year-old self to, 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 be ready, to be ready for the battles that life would, 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 would throw, throw at me, as well as the blessings, um, and, and to know that God was with me in those moments. I think the presence of God in as we took to the, at the very beginning of this interview, has made all the difference for me in those moments. But I think there are moments for all of us where the rubber hits the road, where the proverbial hits the fan, and and I think I I grew up with a very naive understanding of of what the world was like. Um, I'd love to I'd love to 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 encourage my kind of I encourage my six year old self to hold on to the the hope and the and the fact that life is really amazing and is a real gift. But at the same time to know that it's not it's not a fairy tale and and that I think that that in the pain of life as in in my lowest moments I wish I'd have I, I wish I, I would have um anticipated those moments a little better Phil as we come to the end of this podcast you have definitely touched on this throughout the show but are there any top tips that you would give someone to share their faith effectively 
Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> I the first thing, the first thing, Ruth, is is just to to begin by praying, to really pray for some friends. I don't know how it works, but it just does. You know, some verses in Colossians that that say say pray that that God may open a door for our message. Pray that we might be clear in in, in talking about it. Prayer really does prayer and evangelism go hand in hand. So the first thing to really pray. I think the second thing is then be prepared. I, I evangelism is so much easier when we're ready to share our story. It's so much easier when we, we're able to 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 communicate something of the Christian faith, whether it's in friendship terms or, or, or however else. I the first then the, the next thing is then when we make the most of every opportunity to if there's an alpha course happening at our church, if there's a Christianity explored happening, then 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 have a go and invite people and and then in other moments offer to pray. So again, a friend of mine recently, you know, he's, he, he pours out his heart and he says, my brother's got a, got a brain tumour. Why in that moment would I not offer to pray? And not just say, oh, I'll pray for you, but actually, you know, we were sat in a Weatherspoons and other pub, pubs are available. But we were sat in a <laughs> Weatherspoons and, and right there and then say, Could, can I pray now? And we pray, cool, why wouldn't he accept that? So I think making the most of those opportunities, I'd also then say hospitality, get people Get people around you at your house and eat food together. That encourages those de- conversations. But also, don't do hospitality alone. Get your Christian friends to meet your, your non-Christian friends. So, so yeah, pray, be prepared, make the most of the opportunities, and, and eat together, and, and and try to mix Christians and non-Christians. All of those things, I think, will com- combine to help people on the next stage of their journey. Phil, thank you so much. We're, we're not done with you yet because we're going to be hearing lots more about your brilliant book, The Best of Friends, in some future episodes. But thank you so much for joining us today. Brilliant. Thanks, Ruth. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic. I'm Ruth Jackson. And as always, you can find out more about our guests through the links with today's show. We would love to hear your feedback. Do drop us an email with your thoughts at unbelievable or get in touch via social media. And don't forget, there are more shows, articles and resources at our website, premierunbelievable.com. You can also register there for the chance to win a free book. That's premierunbelievable.com. And if you enjoy listening to Unapologetic, please do consider rating and reviewing it. Thank you for listening and see you next time. You've been listening to Unapologetic. For more shows, resources and our newsletter, visit premierunbelievable.com.